Community Church, welcome to a brand new series that we have entitled Dive In. And I want you to hear the words that we have used to describe the series, because that's the challenge that I want you to take on board, even right now. You will be asked to dive in. And what we're going to share with you over the next three weeks are quite simply three essentials of the faith. And I want to challenge you right now to listen to the Word of God and say, I'm going to respond. Uh, I'm going to hear what God says, and I'm going to dive in in obedience. Because I'll tell you this much, if you do, it's going to bless your life. And if you listen to the Word of God, and actually we're disobedient, we don't, it's actually going to make life harder for you, particularly as you try and follow Jesus Christ. It's actually going to make things more difficult for you. So I want to encourage every one of you as we open up God's Word to dive in. You are in a spiritual war, and there are three things that you simply must engage in. And so here's what the next three weeks look like. Today, what we're going to be talking about is stop believing lies. Next week, we're going to look at stay in the Word. And the final week, start going to church. Now, you may be thinking, are you sure about that one? Aren't we doing that right now? But we're going to tease that out even a little bit more. So that's it. There's a potential you could turn off online right now and say, I got it. I've heard it. I know what I'm doing. Stop believing lies. Stay in the word. Start going to church. Got it. We're good to go. Well, there might be a little bit more to it than that. So let's take a look at week number one. Stop believing lies. Pastor, I need you to pray for me. Satan has come into my life and Satan is telling me lies. Really? And you know that it's Satan, do you? Yes, I know that it's Satan. And you know that he's telling you lies. Yes, he's definitely telling me lies. Then why do we need to pray? Why don't you just stop believing lies? In this life, and you know this, you exist in the context of a spiritual war. There is a battle for your life. And I don't know, even in this moment, if I can do enough justice to that truth, that there is a battle for your life. Here's probably the perfect way, or the best way that I can right now, show you and depict the battle for your life. It's this truth. Blood was shed for you. That is a truth from the Word of God. Surely that is indicative of the fact that there is a battle for your life. Listen to Spurgeon. He says, there is nothing that Satan can do for his evil cause that he does not do. We may be half-hearted, but he never is. He is the very image of ceaseless industry and untiring earnestness. He will do all that can be done in the time of his permitted rage. We may be sure that he will never lose a day. Write this down if you're taking notes. If you believe a lie, it gives Satan a foothold. If you believe a lie, it gives Satan a foothold. The very first thing that he did with Eve is he told her a lie in order to get her to be disobedient and to sin. She had to believe the lie first before she could go on and sin. Do you want to know how to know that you're believing a lie? And this is one facet that is an indicator. 
It's this, and again, if you're writing notes, write this down. It's when the lie doesn't surprise you anymore. It's when a lie comes into your life and it doesn't even shock you, it doesn't surprise you anymore. Pastor, please pray for me. My wife has cancer. But it doesn't really surprise me that she has cancer. Because you know what? Her dad had cancer and her grandfather had cancer. And so now she has cancer. There's no surprise in that. We look at sickness and there's this acceptance and readiness in us to say, oh, that's just normal. That's just the way it's supposed to be. That person has forgotten that they have been adopted into a new family. And so Satan will come into your life, he will tell you a lie, and he will say to you, this is normal for you. This is just the way things are. This is what's normal for children even in the kingdom of God. Or today, I believe the Holy Spirit is going to bring a lie to your awareness, even as the word of God is being preached to you. A lie that you've just believed, probably for a long time. A lie that not only have you believed, but you've acted on this lie. It's going to come and it's going to stroke you. And you're going to find yourself going, yeah, that just makes sense. That's how I think. That's how my family has always thought. My mom, she sounds like that. My grandmother, she sounds like that. My friends, we talk like that. That's normal for me. I've thought about, I've thought like that for years. It's just the way I've always been. If it doesn't surprise you, it can be a huge indicator that it's a lie. Genesis chapter 3 says this, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals that the Lord had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Immediately Satan comes in and he twists what God has spoken. He takes what God has said and he warps it to a negative place. Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Well, let me show you what God actually said. Chapter 2. The Lord God commanded the man, look at this for the difference. You're free to eat from any tree in the garden. But you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. So God stated this in an extremely positive way, and then he tells Adam and Eve, here's the one exception. Now in a moment I'm going to show you, Satan into this conversation is going to bring an outright, outright lie. Verse 2, the woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will die. And Satan's response, here's the outright lie, is this. You will certainly not die. That's just not what God said. It could not be clearer. God says, you will certainly die if you do this. And Satan comes in and says, you will certainly not die. Now, please hear me. This is the first step to sin in your life. It's believing a lie. And here's what it sounds like. Tell me if this is familiar. Tell me if you've thought these things, said these things, heard them said about other people. I'm not a smart person. I'm not. I always get hurt. 
uh, I'm accident prone. I'm very clumsy. I'm not good at relationships. I'll never be good at relationships. I'm not good with money. There's nothing very attractive about me. I struggle with depression. I always have and I always will. Just like my mom, just like my aunt, just like my sister, that's just the way that I am. I'm just a face in the crowd. Nothing significant here, nothing important about me. My marriage is not great. It's just the way it is. I don't think I'm going to amount to much. You know, I think I'll always be sick. Now, I could keep going because there's thousands more of these kinds of lies. But when that becomes normal for you, that kind of thinking and agreeing with that kind of thinking, you're agreeing with a lie. Some of you have actually gone a step further. You've actually come to a place where you've realized, and it's probably with the help of the Holy Spirit, oh, I realize that's not good. I realize that I've been thinking and believing a lie. And praise God if the Holy Spirit has actually helped you get to that place. But here's what some of you have done. And this is even harder. You've come to a place where you've realized that's a lie, but you're still acting on the lie, even though you know it's a lie. Why? Why would we ever do that, you might ask? Why would I still act on something that I know is not true? Here's why. Because you believe it in your heart. You still believe it's actually the truth. Even though cognitively, you can point at it and say, that's not good for me. That's not from my father. Let me show you two ways that we continue to believe and act on lies. And guys, please remember, these are essentials of the faith. If you want to follow Jesus Christ, this is a, a bare essential. You've got to get away from believing lies. Number one, the sins that we continue. The sins that we continue. This is when we continue to persist in a sin or in sins. We know that it's wrong. We know it's disobedience. We know it's not God's best for our lives. We can do something about it, which, by the way, every follower of Christ can do something about it, but you don't. You don't do anything about it. You just keep agreeing with the lie, saying yes to it, and stepping into disobedience and sin. Prime example that I think every single person here can go, been there, done that. I know exactly what you're talking about, and it will be the sin of unforgiveness. Every one of us. Look at the scripture in 2 Corinthians. Anyone you forgive, I also forgive. And what I have forgiven, if there was anything to forgive, I have forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake, in order that Satan might not outwit us. For we are not unaware of his schemes. So we have to forgive. We know that for us to, to fail to forgive is us to agree with a lie. We forgive. Why? This scripture says, so that Satan won't take advantage of you. That he won't deceive you. That he won't, the word it actually uses is to outwit you. To be smarter than you. You must forgive or he's going to be smarter than you and take advantage of you. We cannot be ignorant of what Satan wants to do in this particular sin. And it couldn't be more plain. If you hold on to unforgiveness, Satan says, now I'm coming at you. Now I'm coming in. 
You've left the door wide open to me. You're believing a lie that you don't have to forgive, that you're unwilling to forgive. And so now I'm coming in to take territory and jurisdiction in your life. You keep holding on to unforgiveness. And Satan says, I'm just going to take advantage of that. I'm going to outwit you. You've opened the door for me. How many of you, this is going to be probably every one of us, have had that experience where you rethink the bad thing that was done to you. You rewind the conversation. That horrible thing that somebody said to you and it was unkind and it was, it was wrong and it was unjust. And then you think back, oh, you know what I should have said? You know what I could have said? Man, if I could go back there, I would just totally do that again. Yeah, I'll get some nods back here, I think. Put them in their place. Put the, you know, take them to pieces. Man, I have these words and it just would have, it would have sliced and diced them. Truth is, if you're still thinking like that, you probably haven't forgiven them. You probably haven't released that offense and given it to God. And Satan will convince you. Look at the cunning. He'll convince you. Don't forgive them. Don't release them of that. If you do, if you release them, they won't get what's coming to them. They won't get what they ought to get. They'll get off scot-free, and that's not okay. And we continue to just rehearse these conversations in our mind. First of all, here's what I would say. What happens to them is none of your business. Not if you're a follower of Christ. Secondly, if you don't release them, it's not what's going to happen to them. It's what's going to happen to you. And if that's you right now, quite bluntly, here's what God would say to you. Stop it. Stop believing a lie. But God, what they did to me was so wrong. It hurts so much. Of course it was wrong. You don't forgive people who do right things. Just think about that. You might have a hundred reasons to not forgive somebody. But if you don't forgive them, you've left the door wide open in your life. Second way that we continue to believe and act on lies. And it's the words that we speak. Now we actually looked at this a little bit just a few weeks ago. And we're going to lean into this even more right now. And I want to just bring out the most common things that I think are just a part of our thinking and our reality and our experience. Listen to the words that we speak, because this is literally verbalizing the lie. Again, you know, I'm just not a smart person. You're convinced of that. I'm clumsy. I get hurt all the time. My relationships get wrecked. I'm always in debt. I'm never going to get out of this financial hole. Nobody finds me attractive. I'm just like my dad. He was angry. I'm angry. I fly off the handle all the time. If I left my job, if I left my neighborhood, if I left my church, nobody would even care. Nobody, I don't think anyone would even notice. My first marriage was garbage. My second one, it's inevitable. It's going to be the same way. I can't understand this. There's no way I'm going to pass this class. I can't do it. I'm always going to have sickness in my life. Proverbs chapter 18. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. So we're talking about lies that now we speak out loud. Death and life 
are in the power of the tongue. We looked at that scripture about three or four weeks ago. The words that you choose, they matter. They matter to you. They matter to the people that are around you. Think about this time that where we have been in lockdown. The proximity and frequency of the people that are around you. Your words matter. It affects them. It influences them. Pick which words that you will use in your life today. You can either agree with the one who has creative power, the king of kings, or you can agree with the one who has destructive power, the father of lies. You can agree with life, or you can agree with death. You can agree with God, or you can agree with Satan. Proverbs chapter 6, you are snared by the words of your mouth. A snare is a trap. You're trapped. That's what the scripture is saying to you. You're actually trapped by the words that come out of your own mouth. Look at the scripture. This is a fascinating scripture in Numbers chapter 30. Just a really interesting concept. Words can bind you. Now, I want you to think of somebody coming with a zip tie and tying your hands together, or with rope or handcuffs, tying your, your legs together, your feet together, and your hands together. This scripture is going to show you words can actually bind you up so that you're immobile and paralyzed. And you can also be released from words. Okay? Words can bind you and you can be released from words. Look at this scripture. It's Numbers chapter 30. If a man vows a vow to the Lord or swears an oath to bind himself, there's that word, by a pledge, he shall not break his word. He shall do according to all that proceeds out of his mouth. A little further, it says this. If a woman vows a vows to the Lord and binds herself by a pledge while within her father's house in her youth, and her father hears of her vow and of her pledge by which she has bound herself and says nothing to her. Now, this scripture is, this scripture is going in a place that you may not be thinking. Uh, Track with me here. If he hears her and he says nothing to her, then all her vows shall stand and every pledge by which she has bound herself shall stand. But if her father opposes her on the day that he hears of it, no vow of hers, no pledge by which she has bound herself shall stand and the Lord will forgive her because her father opposed her. What a fascinating scripture. What a curious scripture. What is going on there? What does that mean? Well, I think this is what it means. When there is someone in your life who has spiritual authority over you, and I actually mean that in a loving and in a caring and in a right way, when they hear you say something foolish, when they hear you say something that is not life-giving, but it's actually death-giving, That person who has spiritual authority over you can break those words and release you from those words. Seriously, I don't mess with this stuff. I have heard my children, in particular over the last few years, as you watch them just growing up, and out of their mouth, it's because they're children. They say childish things. They say foolish things. And they don't grasp the gravity of their words. I had one kid recently who was playing a video game and the video game was not going well. He was having a hard time. And he was struggling to win the game. And he threw down his remote. Uh, and he said this, I hate this game. I want to die. 
You've got to know that immediately got my attention as that child's father. Now that was a flippant, off-the-cuff, exaggerated comment from a child. My child did not really want to die, but I addressed it quickly. We don't speak like that. Those are not words that we allow to come out of our mouths. There have been times where I've literally taken spiritual authority over words that my children have spoken and broken them in the name of Jesus Christ. Very recently, one of my kids said this, I swear on my life. I'd never heard them say that. I swear on my life. They were trying to be, no, this is the truth, honestly, honestly. I swear on my life. Again, it's just a trivial, quick, heard it somewhere else, thoughtless little comment. But I stopped my child mid-sentence. I said, no, those are not words that we're going to throw around. You are not going to swear on your life. We had a lady in our kitchen one time who made a remark about how everyone has cancer. It just seems like she was hearing more reports of this person has cancer and another person has cancer. She had a family member with cancer. And this is what she said. She said, it's like I'm just waiting to find out what kind of cancer I'm going to get. And after she left the house, Kelly and I, we just came together and we prayed over what she had spoken over her own life. And we took authority over those words because we love this person, because we care about this person, and over the future pronouncement that she had spoken over her own life. And instead of sickness, we actually spoke life and blessing and health over her and over her family. We, had a guy, we have a guy actually on our staff team where he and his family, over the last few years, it's like they get sick a lot. They do. If there's a flu going around, it seems like they get the flu. If there's strep going around, they've got strep. And, uh, he, you know, he's not able to be at work today. He's sick. There's a lot of sickness going around. So much so that what happened was, on our wonderful staffing that we have at the church here, the team began to speak about them in a kind of casual way about them being sick until one of the guys on staff actually addressed it. And he was so right. He said, we have to stop talking about this family as always being sick or that they're probably sick or that they're going to get sick. And so we did as a staff. We actually repented of that kind of talk and we began to pray blessing and health over them and their entire family. You can bind yourself with your words. And words can be broken. A few times I've been in the grocery store where someone will come up to me and they might compliment my children. Oh, you know, you, you, those are some handsome kids you've got there, or those kids are they're behaving well, or they might say something nice. Uh, but then they'll say something like this, and I've heard this a few times. They'll say to me, oh, but just you wait. Just you wait for those teenage years. They're going to be hard. All oh, those teenage years are horrible. Or they'll say, look at her. Oh, she's a beauty. She's going to break your heart. No. I'm not accepting those words. I'm not going to be in agreement with that. And so what I declare over my family and over my children is that our teenage years with them, they're going to be fantastic. 
and we're going to be close to our children, and we're going to share times of growth and learning together, and we're going to go through all those battles, and it's going to be filled with joy and peace, and when the difficulties and the challenges arise, we'll face those together, and we'll look to Jesus Christ, and I can't wait. That's what I declare to be true. Ever heard a child say, I'm stupid? Making that pronouncement over their life. Well, you can break those words. And you can bring release. You're not stupid. You look that child in the eye. You have the mind of Christ. There's the truth. There's the actual truth. Oh, I can't get math. I'm never going to understand it. I can't read. I don't, I don't understand what, what's on these pages. No. I overrule that in the name of Jesus Christ. I take authority over those words, and I declare, you're a genius. You're a smart kid. That's how I'm going to speak over your life. The words that we speak can put us in bondage and they can keep us in bondage. Pastor, are you sure? I don't understand by just saying something. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What you're speaking is coming from your heart. And you know how you got it into your heart? You believed a lie. And so we change the way we speak. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Jesus said, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Robert Morris, who I want to acknowledge in this message here, he puts it like this. It's a great question. He says, if the truth sets you free, what does a lie do? If the truth sets you free, it's a great question. What does a lie do? It's a simple question. A lie is going to hold you in bondage. That's what a lie will do. So here's what we're going to do right now. We're going to worship together. And I want you to stay online. Because I want you to begin to speak some very specific words in this worship song that we're going to sing together right now. And I want you to declare them to be true over your life. And then I'm going to come back in just a minute. And I want to pray over your life and over words that you have spoken and lies that you have believed. And we're going to dismantle these lies and we're going to get rid of these lies in the name of Jesus Christ. Let's worship together.